0: Jesus, our Savior, Your name lifted high, oh God, You have the great thing. You have the great thing, oh God, You do great.
1: Accept me anyway. I live with the past I can't get past, and it still haunts me. So I'm asking for the courage to make a change.
2: Someone said to me, Ron, this, is the, uh, this next sermon you're going to preach is going to be the last time you get to preach. Um, it would really challenge me in one respect, in another respect I think I would go quickly to what I'm going to preach on today. Because there's all kinds of messages that we can glean from the Bible. There's messages that have to do with personal growth. There are messages that have to do with ministry methodologies. We can find in the Scripture a word about most anything, uh, how to handle our finances, uh, how important love is in all of our relationships, that if we love God first and we love others um, and prefer them above ourselves, that life takes on a whole new dimension. There's just all kinds of topics that could be addressed. Prayer, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptism, communion. I mean, just think of the wealth of resources that are found in God's Word. You could never finish preaching uh, in a lifetime when it comes to bringing a Word from, from the Bible, from its pages. But if someone said, this is it. There is no question in my mind what I would preach on, and it's what I'm going to preach on today, and that is Jesus crucified, that He went to the cross for you and I, that we might be able to experience eternal life, that we might have an opportunity to spend forever in the heaven that He's prepared for those who love Him and who long for His appearing. And as I was thinking about this message, I I was thinking about the Apostle Paul And I want to take you right now to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Uh, Paul is writing a letter back to the Corinthian church. He went there on one of his missionary journeys. He preached Jesus. um, And a church was gathered. People came to the Lord because of the gospel being proclaimed. And the Bible says that God adds daily to the church those who are believing on the Lord Jesus who are being saved. And so these people believed the message, they opened their hearts to Christ, and that's how a church is born. It's it's not born uh, by man's efforts, it's born through the power of the Holy Spirit as God brings us to a personal uh, uh, knowledge and experience of Jesus who died on the cross for us. And so a church has been gathered, and Paul now is writing a letter back to the church. As a matter of fact, he wrote two letters to the church at Corinth. And so he's reminiscing about when he first went there. He's reminiscing the spirit in which he found himself as he went into the midst of the people who were there in Corinth. And listen to what he says in the second chapter, of the first five verses. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What a powerful passage. You've heard that passage before, no doubt. And he is singling out how important it is that if we have a word, that the last word, the first word and the last word ought to be Jesus and Him going to the cross to die for our sins. And Paul said, when I came to you and I shared that message, I proclaimed it with fear and with trembling. I was not eloquent. Uh, I, I did not convince you of anything by flowing words, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you came to a spiritual awakening that God ordained for you, and you walked into a relationship with Jesus. You entered by faith into the presence of God, and what has happened is truly the work of God in your experience. And so that's, that's the oomph the of what he's sharing with them as he writes this letter back. But l- let me give you a little backstory. When you go to the book of Acts, and you look at the missionary journeys of Paul, and that's where they're recorded in the book of Acts, you will find that before he went to Corinth, Paul was in Athens. Athens was known as the seat of Greek philosophy. Uh, learned people would gather there to debate their given philosophies on life and what they thought of the Greek deities that had been recognized in, in their culture. And there was a place in Athens that was called Mars Hill, and philosophers would often gather there, and they would take a stand for their particular brand of Of philosophy and what God they held, what Greek God they held in highest esteem, and why uh, what they believed everyone should believe. So, Paul, while he was in Athens, decided he would go to Mars Hill and would enter into this great debate that was an ongoing debate. And so he went there and he noticed there were monuments all around the, the place where the philosophers would gather. And uh, there was a monument to this god and to that god and another god in, in Greek uh, mythology, if you will. And then there was this one marker that was off to the side that said, To the unknown god. Just, just in case they had not uh, discovered uh, a deity, they had a, they had a marker that, that said, To the unknown god. Paul decided this was an excellent opportunity for him to bring some knowledge to the Greeks that he was gathered with. And he said, I've been most impressed, it's found in Acts 17, he said, I've been most impressed with what you've had to say, but I want to bring your attention to the marker over here to the side that says to the unknown God, I want to make known to you the one that you have worshipped as the unknown God. And he begins to offer his witness for Jesus. And he says in that great... uh, passage of Scripture, in Him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. And so he is, he is entering into debate with them, and when you get to the end of that time of interaction and dialogue, you find out that just a few people expressed faith. Paul was was really sorely disappointed that there had not been more of a, of a response to the message he had delivered. He, he was excited about how clever he had been to bring Uh, in the terms that he brought, a witness for Christ. When when it got to the end of the day, some of the people who were there, some of the philosophers said, when you have an opportunity, come our way again and we'll argue this further. And he realized as he left Athens, wow, I entered into an opportunity trying to persuade them with with my wisdom and with my insight. And I got nowhere. Just a few people expressed faith, and so he leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth. Do you see what's happening? And he decides on the way to Corinth, "Hey, I've got to change. I've got to change my message. I've got to change my tactic. I, I've got to. I, I've got to move from trying to be impressive in the view of others to being that person who is hidden behind the cross of Christ." I'm going to go to Corinth and I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. And I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do in the heart of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. I'm going to do what God has called me to do, plant and water, but I'm going to trust God to give the increase. I'm going to trust Him to move in the souls of people in such a way that there's a demonstration of the Spirit's power that brings them to an awakening that they could never have otherwise. And so he goes to Corinth and he just preaches Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what, if you've only got an opportunity to share one word, if you've only got an opportunity to share one message, that's the one you need to share. To tell people, about God's Son who went to the cross because God loves the world so much that He would give His only Son that He might have the opportunity to spend eternity with the likes of you and me. Y'all, it's only by grace that we're saved. It's not by our great learning. It's not by our physical strength. It's not by our mental acuity. It, it is by the grace of God that we are brought into the fold of God's family. God adds to the church daily those who are responding to Jesus and to the message of His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. As Tony mentioned, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. We begin our march toward the cross and toward the empty tomb. And we remember that it. That when Jesus came to this earth, He came to give His life as a ransom for us that you and I might have an eternal destiny that goes beyond anything that philosophy could ever offer mankind. So when Paul went from Athens to Corinth, he decided to move from persuasion to proclamation. You will never argue anyone into faith. But you'll love people into faith. When you have a a burden for the souls of people, you find yourself trying to position yourself in such a way that not not to convince them how smart you are, but to convince them how changed you are since you opened your heart to Jesus. Love is the opportunity for us to bring people into the message of the gospel in such a way that they will see Jesus for themselves. Persuasive, yes, but more than that, speaking the name of Jesus. Not talking religion, not talking ministry methods, but simply naming the name of Jesus as the one who went to the cross to shed His blood for our salvation. Paul moved not only from being persuasive in his words to simply offering a proclamation of Christ, but he moved from philosophy as as the method to the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, there is no... There is no one who is exempt from the power of the Holy Spirit. People can turn off our argument, but they cannot hide the fact that there is a power that is invading their life space that is making something known to them that they never realized before. And everybody here who's walking with Jesus can take you to that moment when God reached in and convicted you of sin and brought you to an awakening, and all you can say is, I I don't remember exactly everything that was going on, but I remember that moment. I remember the change as the Holy Spirit, by His power, reached into my life. Paul decided that for people to believe It had to be more than his persuasive argument. It had to be more than his eloquence and speech. He realized that if people are going to get saved, they have got to see Jesus for themselves. You know, that's the prayer we need to pray for this world, that they would see Jesus for themselves. There's a great revival taking place at Asbury. Have you seen that? It's amazing. God is moving in a powerful way. People are waiting in line outside of the chapel there on that campus to get in where the message is being proclaimed. It can happen anywhere. But it will happen when we put our faith... And what God is able to do in the lives of people. And understand that we don't have to have an answer for all of the vain philosophies that are around us in this day. What we need is a sure word for Jesus. To speak His name and to just say to people, Jesus saves. Jesus can come into your life and change everything in a moment and give you an eternity that is beyond what you ever dreamed possible. Paul decided it was time to move his emphasis from the mind to the soul. I proclaim to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Humbly, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I want you just to bow in prayer just now. And in quietness, not out loud, but in quietness. I want you to ask that God would allow His Spirit to fall on us. That God would touch that hardened heart today. That God would awaken that sleeping psyche today that God would make his presence known in a sure way in our lives in the lives of those people that we in, will encounter this week if I only had one more time to preach I would take people to Calvary. You can look up. Next Saturday. Excuse me, a week from next Saturday. Saturday, the end of our tour in Israel. We will wind our way upward in the church of the Holy Sepulcher and for just a moment we will kneel down there's a big rock all kinds of ornamentation but right about there as we kneel down by that big rock where there's a split remember the earthquake that Matthew talks about a big split in the rock and we'll kneel down and we'll be able to touch a place where they've put a, a marker, and we'll be able to say, "Lord, thank you for going to the cross for me." It's been one of the high, my, highlights of my life, two times I've knelt there, Lord will and I'll kneel there one more time and say, "Lord, thank you for going to the cross for me." You say... Is it the rock? No. Is it all the ornamentation and the and the the Catholic basilica that's been built over the spot? No. But I'm going to tell you, there's something about that spot that when you kneel down and thank Him for going to the cross in your behalf, I, it just goes all through you. This is more than myth. This really happened. Jesus laid down on an old rugged cross. They nailed Him on that cross. They raised Him to the sky. And He says, Whoever, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Myself. Whoever looks upon that cross and receives the offering that was made, on that cross, that person will be saved. The Bible says the person who has Jesus has life, the person who does not have Jesus does not have life. Preacher, it's the last time you get to preach. What are you going to preach on? Do you see? You could preach on so many things. But all of eternity for you rests in what you do with Christ. We could talk about parenting, we could talk about grandparenting, we could talk about prayer, we could talk about giving, we could talk about serving, we could talk about so many things. But the simple fact is, if you don't come to the cross, you will be lost for all eternity. It's the most important message. You're on this planet for a little while. Eternity? Never ending. What have you done with Jesus? Do you feel the Spirit's tug upon your heart? Do you feel God bringing you to Himself? Not wise and persuasive words. Lord, let your spirit fall. Now, if you said you can only talk about two things, I'd talk about Jesus, and then I'd talk about my grandkids. You like that, Emma? If you were to die today, Would you go to heaven? What have you done with Jesus? Father, this morning, I thank you so much for the way that you connect with us. We're thinking about one thing and then suddenly you bring us to yourself. It's amazing how you can reach in and in a moment by the Spirit's power bring us to a place that we could never occupy except for your grace. For some of us, people talked to us about Jesus for years but it was when you spoke to our hearts that everything changed in a moment. Lord, I pray That in this time in which we live, that we would not be given to antics, or calculated systems, or religious observances. But that Lord, we would humbly bow before you that we might receive from your hand in a moment. The salvation that could come no other way but by Your grace. Whose heart are You reaching to today? Who is feeling that tug this morning? Who is hearing that voice? Lord, I pray today that whatever has been keeping us from bowing before You, that today, in all humility, we would receive The greatest gift of all—the gift of your son—let someone here today be saved by simply turning to Jesus. We ask in His name, Amen.
1: If you'd like to
0: stand for this invitation, feel free to do so. Give me eyes to see more. Trains all. Of-